I have a video. One of the missionaries that we support, he's a friend of the way. His name is Pablo. He's in Nicaragua. He's a great friend of the way, and uh, he spoke here just a few months ago. Uh, we've planted a few churches with him, uh, and, and uh, 10 years ago, we started planting churches with him. Since then, he's planted about 35 churches in Nicaragua. Um, there's a lot of turmoil that's happening right now in the country of Nicaragua, if you're not aware of it. They're on the brink of a civil war. The government is actually attacking um, the locals, and um, it's really um, awful. And uh, we have a video we wanted to show you guys of an update of what's happening. Hello, friends from The Way. This is Pastor Pablo from Nicaragua. I want to thank you for all your prayers, and I want to give you a quick update on the country. Uh, so in Nicaragua, the violence is escalating every day. Uh, Matagalpa, where we live, it's pretty much blocked by barricades. Right now, I am locked at my house. I, I've not been able to go to Matagalpa to get anything for, for the last couple of days tomorrow. Um, to go to church, a lot of people, just like me, we are going to walk from the house to the church because you cannot go in the cars. Uh, gladly, in Matagalpa, violence has not been uh, a norm. It has been happening a lot lately. We hear a lot of shots. We hear a lot of mortar uh, being shot every night, every day. But you don't see a lot of uh, battles or attacks. We only had a couple in the last 40 days. But in Nicaragua in general, the situation is escalating. It's getting worse. Uh, Masaya today, it's another city here in Nicaragua. The whole day has been, in a, has been a battlefield. Uh, it's an urban area, Managua as well. So uh, right now, uh, according to human rights uh, organizations in Nicaragua, we have over 100 people that has lost their lives through all this violence. So we want you to keep praying for us, keep praying for Nicaragua, keep praying for our children that may the Lord protect their hearts and their minds. Uh, they are going through a lot of stress in these kind of situations. Pray for, uh, especially for our youth, all these generation that the, that the enemy is trying to steal, is trying to destroy. Pray for us as a church, that church in Nicaragua, that we may be that beacon of peace and hope, that we may speak the word of God and bring everybody to set their eyes on Jesus Christ because that's where our help is going to come from. That's what Bible 121 says. I'm going to lift my eyes to the mountains where my help is going to come from. Our help comes from the Lord. That's what we keep telling people. So thank you for all your prayers and all your support. We love you very much and hope to see you very soon. God bless you. Uh, so that, that video was actually eight days ago um, that he sent that to me. We tried to get it here last week, and I wasn't able to do that. Um, since then, they've had more updates. Uh, so what's happening is the government is actually hiring people to kidnap a lot of uh, individuals that they find in scenarios. And, they're, um, and so people are being taken from from crowds and riots and uh, beaten and dropped off in random places. And uh, so th there's a lot of terror that's happening. I don't know if you can imagine. Uh, I, I watched something just briefly. Uh, you ever see that movie Red Dawn? Uh, the 80s version was way, Patrick Swayze was way cooler than the newer one. But anyways, um, if you can imagine war in your front yard, it's, it's, it, it'll cause you to lose your breath. And, uh, and so they're, they're in a little bit of a, of a panic right now. And so we've actually paid. Our church helped uh, purchase. You guys helped pay. We flew out his family and uh, his kids and one of the missionaries that's from America that lives there with him, who's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. Uh, we try to get those kind of people out as quickly as possible in these kinds of situations. So we flew them out. They're living in California right now um, for about a month. And um, things are getting bad there. Um, but what's crazy is in situations like this, the church actually becomes a beacon of hope. A lot of people in the midst of chaos, um, Pablo said that uh, even in the mountains, his churches are full right now. And so um, we do want you to pray for them as, uh, as you can. Uh, I would pray right now, but I, I don't want it to be a casual prayer. And so I would ask you as you think about life or death, think about chaos, think about fear, and think about hope um, as, you, as you pray for Nicaragua right now. Cool. Um, so as I think about Pablo, I think about what's happening in our country with the White House. And, um, you know, I'm sure that maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I can't recall a season of, of such chaos in our nation where even the word White House becomes a point of contention for so many people. It is just gross. I, I think of 
this right now, what's happening in our culture about how the lines are being blurred right now, whereas what's right is now somehow becoming wrong. What's wrong is somehow becoming right. And even if you ask people in the midst of what they're fighting for and you get the conversation going longer than five minutes, you'll find out a lot of it is really just confusing for everyone. Gender identity crisis right now and just, just there's a lot of things that's not clear and nothing really makes sense and no one really knows what we're arguing for. And our, there's, things are just weird and very awkward and very uncomfortable. When I think about that, it makes me think of Christ's return. Now, that whole subject, in some ways, is kind of a paradox for me, because as a Christian, I'm called to believe that Christ is returning, but I can think about when I became a believer when I was 19, and how awkward it was to hear other people talk about it. I didn't believe. I remember my grandmother, when I was like 12, was the only Christian in my entire family. She had eight kids. None of her kids were born again. I remember my grandmother sitting on her couch, and she'd say, He's going to return. He's going to return. And I think, man, she's crazy. She hit her head. And, uh, and now when I look at all of the prophecies that are in the scripture and everything that's happening in our current world, things are rapidly moving out of control and it's causing me to recognize he is going to return. And this is a state that he has asked us as believers to turn our eyes to the reality that he may actually come back in any moment. And so I, I, I think to myself, I want to be, be ready. I want to be working for the Lord when he comes. I want to know that when he does return or when he calls my life, that I can say that the things that I'm doing in that hour were intentional and meaningful for someone above myself. I wonder, are you living for anyone other than you? But I want to be building his kingdom and building his glory. And the things that I do for his kingdom will be eternal. And the things that I do for myself will not be. Hmm. I'm going to read you two verses here in Matthew chapter 24, verse, 44, verse 42 and 44. Jesus said this. He says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect Him. And I just think to myself, man, I want to be intentional. I want to live a life of significance. I want to do something that matters. And what does matter? I was, uh, we were on vacation uh, two weeks ago with our family. We set out like on, right after Memorial Day uh, church birthday party, which was wicked fun. I had such a blast. Those of you guys that came out, thanks. We went out to Disney, and we got a hotel, and we were having a Disney uh, week, and it was fun to just unplug from all the stress and chaos and relax and put our feet in a pool and just do nothing, you know, sleep in. We're parents, so we get to sleep in until like 6.30, you know, when we're on vacation uh, before our melee comes and kicks us in the head and says it's time to wake up. So we're on vacation, and we're relaxing, and we're doing nothing that matters, and uh it's, uh, it's raining. I don't know if you're aware of this. And so it was kind of great to go to Disney because there wasn't as many people there. Instead of there being millions, there were millions of people at Disney. You know what I mean? And so it's crazy. And we're at um, Universal Studios. And uh, we, it was kind of exciting because we, we planned for it to rain. And so we all got our ponchos out. We're like such tourists, you know. We're like, take a picture of me with our zoo. It was a little group photos of our family doing a poncho since it's raining. And, and so uh, we, 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 it started raining really hard. And we, were, we got to go into Beauty and the Beast there over by Tower of Terror. And so we're in there, and it's raining wicked hard. And when it gets done raining, we go out in the rain, and we're like, you know what? Let's go back inside. And so we just stood underneath there, and we're hanging out. And as a family, we just kind of said, you know what? We're at Disney. We got our ponchos. Let's, let's go out in the rain. And so uh, we're, we go out, we head out in the rain, just being fun, having life, enjoying doing things that's, that kind of matters, right, the family. And, uh, and so we, we head out of this like back door area of Beauty and the Beast to avoid the crowds that are coming in to avoid the rain. And uh, so we go this handicap route. And it's kind of weird when you're at Disney and you don't see anyone it's a really neat like little thing. It's kind of like you're walking into the twilight zone. So we're going out this exit, this handicap ramp, and it like goes in all these directions, and there's no one. For like a good minute, like we're walking, and we don't see anyone. It's kind of nice. And uh, so we're laughing and talking about what we're going to do next, and all of a sudden, this little boy comes running to us. 
and he's screaming and he's crying and he's in absolute terror. And uh, like it, it hits you. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen someone who is in absolute terror, but the climate changes. You know what I mean? And I told you a story like this a couple weeks ago about my own kid, but this actually happened to someone else's and it was kind of unique. And so we were uh, just having fun and we had this interruption where this little boy came to us and he was screaming and I didn't understand him, but my wife went into mom zone and she understood him. He was only saying one word. Uh, does anyone know what that word might have been? Mom. <sighs> Try not to cry. Uh, and so anyways, we got him and he, he came over to us and he said, and he didn't know where his mom was and there was no one around us. I mean, being at Disney and there's no one around, when I tell you there was no one around, I mean, I could have thrown a rock and I hit anyone. And it was kind of scary. And, you know, what's your name? And he says, my name's Antonio. And, uh, you know, what, what's wrong? And I, I can't find my mom. I don't know where she is. I've looked everywhere. And we said, you know, okay, well, um, what would you do? And so uh, we, we you, Micah and everyone, Micah's like so compassionate. He wants to hold his hand. And the kid's like, get off me, you know. And, and the, kid, the kid's like, he's just like completely terrorized. And he trusts Teresa. And so we walk back up into Beauty and the Beast. And we go to a place where there's multiple staff members. And they're kind of huddled inside and underneath this pavilion. And, and we take this little boy to them. And, and, and they stop us and they reassure us he's safe here. Um, we, we know what, we, what we're doing and there's multiple staff members and so they look at him and the one girl gets down on her knees and she's talking very calmly to him and he's kind of looking at Teresa because he can clearly see she's a mom and this girl isn't but um, okay, uh, I'll trust the process, you know, and so they look at us and they reassure us, you know, we know what we're doing, he's safe, he's fine, uh, go do you. And so um, we kind of backed up kind of like, all right, uh, this, you know, trust the process, you know. And um, we, we left, and uh, I remember when we left, there was absolutely no peace. He had, that boy had interrupted my afternoon, and uh, we were about taking selfies and photos and rides and, you know, Chewbacca and other cool stuff, and that boy came, and it didn't seem like anything else mattered. We left, and for the next, uh, I'd say 10 minutes, we set out looking for his mom, and um, we were, you know, you know that you're going to find someone because they're going to be completely different than everyone else that's at Disney, you know. And so uh, we looked for 10 minutes and, you know, we found nothing. Uh, but I, and I think about the Lord's return. I want to be about what matters to him. And um, I know that, like, in life, our day is already scheduled. We're working, right? And, and we're working and we've got, like, things to clean and bills to pay and we've got to earn more money and so work takes the lion's share of what matters most to us but I think in the day that we meet Christ what's going to be most significant is not what mattered to you but what mattered to him right like he's not just Jesus he's God and we want to know what's in his heart and so um Today, I want to just share three points. I've got a long close, though, and I'm going to try to get through these points as quickly as I can. As I got saved um, 19 years ago, I came uh, from a different lifestyle, and so when I approached Christ, I approached Christ pretty radically because I realized how much change I needed, and as I was changing, I recognized all of the people that also were not changing. And so it was very drastic for me to recognize that people needed Jesus. And so I actually grew in Christ a lot faster than people that were going to church because their worship was casual. Mine was desperate. And it's not to say that I am a greater Christian. Please understand I am not. But the growth that took place in me, I learned one thing that other people were not learning, that other people are forgetting currently. And point number one to my message is his heart. His heart. What is God's heart? I'm going to read you a verse here. This is in the message. I read the same verse last week, uh, but I'm going to read it in the message for you today. Let's see if you can see it. And Jesus, God on earth, he made a circuit of all the towns and the villages. He walked around. And he taught in their meeting places and reported kingdom news. He was trying to explain to everyone what the kingdom was about. This is what the kingdom's about. Hey, guys, this is, this is what the kingdom you've never seen is about. I'm going to tell you about it. This is what the kingdom of God is about. And uh, he reported the kingdom news. He healed their diseased bodies. And he healed their bruised and 
and their hurt lives. I love that. And I got to say, that is one thing that I can account for, that Jesus is about healing broken people. He's about healing broken hearts. It's, what he, it's what's on his heart today. If you have heartache, he's about you. You have his attention. And, and so when he looked over the crowds, Scripture says his heart broke. So confused and aimless, they were like sheep with no shepherd. The scripture says that he looked out over the crowds and his heart broke. He looked out over the crowds of people and his heart broke. He, when God is looking down over people, his heart breaks. Why? I understand this as a parent, as a creator, and as a father. You care about your creation. Even if you're not a parent, let's just say that you're an artist. Your art, you care about your art. And if something in your art is breaking or if you're doing something, even this morning we had an incident back here where uh, someone was making coffee and the coffee, they were taking their time and it took them about 20 minutes and the coffee pot tipped over. And all of a sudden it was like everyone in the room cared about coffee because they, they had lost something that they were putting effort in and it's meaningful. And when you lose something that you create, it's hard for you. And as a parent, your kids that are going astray, they have your attention. And Jesus looked out over the crowds and it broke broke his heart. He said they were like sheep with no shepherd. They were like people without direction or purpose. People with no ambition or reason. So what a huge harvest. He said to his disciples, how few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. I want you to pray that God would raise up people because this is what hurts me. Now, guys, here's what I need for you today. If I can get everyone's attention. If you've been here for longer than a year, sometimes the things that I say can become mute to you. Today, I ask that you would find a way to push through whatever is distracting you and listen. Because I think the heart of God wants to talk today, honestly. I'm going to pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Sometimes I get emails from parents that their kids have fallen away. And the desperations in those emails are like nothing else. As a parent, you can fix a lot of things. You can make more money. You can rebuild your house. You can fix your car. But if one of your kids are hurting, parents, is there any dollar amount that you wouldn't give? When I talk to you today about the heart of God and what he cares about, if you want to know how to grow in your relationship with God, I promise it's actually kind of easy. Whatever you're doing in your life right now, stop and think about who is on his heart in your life? And you can have instant growth. There is no amount of money I would not pay if you were going to be the one that fixed my kid. There is nothing God wouldn't give to those that want to be about his business. Listen to this. Say another scripture. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her. How I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. What is he talking about? He's like talking about the people that, that, that don't want help. It, it's like a, 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 a crackhead. That's, a, a, they're, they're, they're fixed. They know that they're broken, but they don't want help. They don't want reasoning, and they're pushing off. And it's like sometimes those are the people that are pushing away are the ones you want to help so much more. You can see what they're doing, and you know that it's wrong. And Jesus is like, man, as I look out, you know what breaks my heart is I wish that I could have them close to me. I wish that I could just help them. I wish that I could help, but they won't. Let me. Sometimes you want to just help, but they won't let me. You want to know what breaks his heart? What's in his heart today is his sons and daughters. Point number one is his heart. Point number two is the problem. The problem that Jesus has with this problem in his heart. Listen to this. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. How can I call, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him 
if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? I love this. How, can, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Why is it that the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers of those who bring good news? That's what I'm telling you. You want to grow today, spiritually. You want to awaken a side of you. How, feet, how beautiful are the feet how precious are the feet, another scripture would say, about the people who care about those that are, that, are, that are lost. Those people are precious, that are fighting for life. Be about what's in his heart. There's a, I heard a quote this week, and it, it got me. I was going through Twitter this week, and uh, I've, I've got a Twitter account. I have no followers, uh, and, uh, and I like it that way. Uh, and so... Um, I don't write anything. I just read stuff. And, you know, there was like, I don't know if you're reading right now, but everything on the news score right now is about LeBron James, right? LeBron James, LeBron James. And there was this one that wasn't about LeBron James. And it was a quote by this guy named John Piper, who is a, a really big leader in, in the gospel right now. And, uh, and he said this, and I thought it was important. He said, Satan has convinced many to keep us silent by making us more afraid of awkwardness than hell. I cried. He has made many of us keep silent by making us afraid of being awkward more than hell. I want to make sure I want, I want to start with it. There's no one going to hell for not telling anyone about the Lord. But the reality is, is that we have forgotten that hell exists. We have forgotten that there will be many that one day will beg us that we weren't silent. I don't care how awkward you are if it helps me. Here's another problem that's, that the Lord has. I see right here in Scripture, His heart is His people. His problem is that who will go for me? If you listen to this, I heard the Lord asking, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? And who will go for us? Here am I. Send me, Isaiah said. Who will go? This is the problem of the Lord, is that many of them are sons and daughters. Many of us are sons and daughters. Many of us are sons and daughters. But we forget, man. We forget, we forget, we forget that what's in his heart is that there are people that aren't here today. There are people that didn't experience the peace and the rest. Like out there, there is hopelessness. Like when I'm, there's sickness in my body, I hope that Tylenol is the cure. There's a young lady that works that comes to church here, and she works in the um, the uh, pediatrics in the hospital. And and I've talked to her a few times about how awful her job is. And she says like it's not necessarily when you see a kid that comes in with a screwdriver in their throat that's bad. It's the look on their parents' face when they're angry at her as if she's done something wrong. All they're there to do is help. It's my kid. You have to fix this. There's a desperation in the heart of God, and he wants to know, who will go for me? And many of us want to know why. I haven't experienced a breakthrough in my, I haven't wor like worshiped, and the Spirit and I aren't connecting. It's because there is something emotional about you recognizing what he cares about. I'm married, and I recognize a lot of times in marriage, we can be completely in love with each other and not getting it. Like, I'm loving her in a way that she doesn't get. She's loving me in a way. And I love that some of us right now are loving God in a way that we're not getting. Because to be about his business is to be about his kids, your family members, your coworkers, your ministry. Number one is his heart. Number two is his problem. Number three is his solution. Listen to this. But he asked them, Jesus, whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Oh, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. I love that. You don't know this because you learned it. You don't know this because a Sunday school teacher taught it. You know this because God the Father revealed it to you, that he is the Lord and there is no other. Amen? Cool. Hear this. Now I say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's very much talking about Peter in this verse, but he's very much talking about something bigger than that. The solution that Jesus has to the problem of the lost is his church. His church is so important to him. Multiple times in scriptures, Jesus actually calls the church his what? His bride. She's my bride. She's my bride. She's my bride. She means so much to me. The hope of the generations and the hope of the nations that Jesus said it will be his church. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against her. She's beautiful, man. And I know that the church has come with problems. Please understand. I understand that the church can have mood swings. I understand that the church could have issues, that there could be things going on. But listen, I want to let you know that the church is the most gorgeous thing to Jesus. Husbands, pursue your wives as Christ loves the... And he gave himself up for her. The church is important to him, and it's his solution to the problem in this world. That I will build my church. One of the things that breaks my heart so much as a pastor is when I have friends, like the people that have come here, I've done, I've built life with. And then I have friends that love Jesus and have walked away from the church. And what I know is that the devil eats their lunch out there. They don't worship like they do at church. They don't pray like they, listen, please don't get me wrong. I believe with all my heart that you can have better church at home. But no one grows alone. We're desi- this whole thing is designed to be together. How do I know that? Because the Bible wasn't written to you. It was written to Ephesus, to Philippi, to Colossus. It was written to the church. And it was gathered from the church for the church to be read corporately together, broken down together in our homes. When we get together, that's church. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't conquer her. His hope for reaching the lost is his church. Don't believe me? That's cool. Close your eyes and think about how you heard the gospel. Because she's been the most beautiful thing in all the world for decades and centuries, millennial, like, it's been it. How the poor have been fed, how the naked have been clothed, how people have had hope. It's been her. Jesus' plan to reach his children is you. You're the church. And when we come together, man, it's all about us. Together, one, you're a part of what, it, of what it's about. Check this out. This is pretty rad. I <laughs> the worst cotton mouth right now. I've been praying for this moment for six months for this sermon. And it may not even make sense to you guys, but I'm very emotional about this. This is a verse that's really unique to me. Some of you may not know it, but church leaders have heard this for a long time. It's called the fivefold ministry. Have you ever heard of the fivefold ministry? It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And it says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to his church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, the fivefold. The apostle moves in all the gifts. He's the originator and probably the most important because he starts it. The prophet is the one <laughs> that tells everyone that they suck, you know. Hey, you're jacked up and you got issues in your life and you got to fix that thing. And no one really likes the prophet. That's why Jesus just said in the last verse that everyone stones the prophet, right? Because no one likes when someone tells them that they suck, right? Uh, and so uh, the evangelist is the one that reaches out amongst everyone else. The fivefold ministry. He's the guy that goes out and gets the lost. The pastor, he marries the church. The pastor is the one that says, I don't care what you're going through. I love you. I'll help you. I'll do it with you. We're together on this thing. The teacher is the, uh, is the foundation of it all. The teaching is what actually uh, creates substance in your life that helps you understand what's actual truth. It's important. Now, this is the gift to the church. This is going to go somewhere here. Check this out. Verse 12. 
And their responsibility, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry. Whoa, hold on a second. I don't like that. This is, uh, it's, it's their responsibility to equip God's people to do His work and to build up His church, the body of Christ. You know, what's really funny is uh, I'm not, I, I think that there's a, a kind of church. I, I love having more churches. I think we should have more. People think I'm crazy. Like, oh, there's more churches than our bars. That's a good thing. You know what I mean? Don't, 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 don't let anyone tell you. We need more churches. Why? Because a lot of people still ain't going. We want to make it hard to go to hell in Lakeland. And when, 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 when things go bad, like it's going on in Nicaragua right now, like what happened in 9-11, the church explodes. And it feels like, maybe I'm just wrong, but it's about to explode in America. And we're not making many friends right now. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you start taxing people in other countries more money, they come knocking. And it ain't fun when it does. I think it's a good thing that we're doing that, but nonetheless, oh, that's another time. But the responsibility is to build God's, equip God's people to do the work of His ministry. Equip God's people to do the work of His ministry. To equip God's people to do the work of His ministry. Big churches have this formula where church will be perfect, excellent, and everything will be in order. All you have to do is give and we'll make it right. It'll be perfect. It'll be excellent. It's awesome. It's really cool. The problem is we do nothing. And we get spiritually bored because we're not using the gifts that God has put inside of us to build his church. This is, this is wrong. Uh, I, let me rephrase this. Big churches are great. That pro, that principle is wrong. There's a lot of things we do wrong here. Stick around. You ain't been here long, you'll figure it out. Most of the time, I don't even start, but like 20 minutes after service is supposed to begin. And we do things wrong. Pastor gets rabbit trails. It's all crazy up in here. What was my point? (laughs) This is all about Equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. There's a call of God on your life. And uh, we want to see you establish that here. Now, that's my sermon. I've got a long close. I've got a, I actually have a story to close this. It's going to be really wonderful. You guys still with me? Cool. Here we go. Um. Uh, I told you guys that we have an announcement that we were going to make this week, and uh, I'm going to tell you real quick, and uh, most of you already know about it, and it's going to sound like not a big deal. We're, um, in August, we're going to start doing two services. That's the announcement. <laughs> the problem with that is, um, so we've, we've tried doing two services before, and it's not that it didn't work, it's that we didn't always execute it the right way. The mindset wasn't right behind it, and we'd done some things wrong with it. Today, I have to talk about something that's been in my heart for the last six months. What's, what's wrong about two and two services is the objective of two services is not to get more bodies here. It is to reach people. And it is to get you active in your church. Um, it is to prevent burnout, so uh, what we are going to do more strategically is let people do less, but get everyone involved. There's this um, book in the Bible, Nehemiah, it's w- super cool, and in this, he has this problem where the enemies are attacking God's people, and our enemies is life being craziness. Like, there's not 10 people here that like would say, my life ain't crazy, I'm, you know, it's happening. Um, and so he says that the work is spread out and extensive and like it's difficult and everyone's spread out along the wall. But when you hear the sound of the trumpet, we all need to come together and know that God's going to fight for us. It's super cool. It's like one of my favorite passages. And I think about it with our church all the time. Well, some of the things that God's put on our heart is leadership. We're going to focus on that in the next season. Let me just pray for a second and ask God to figure out how I'm going to say this. Lord, I really do uh, need you to explain some things. 
Amen. Some of what we've done wrong is my fault as the last eight years as a church, and I'm sorry for that. Some of the things we've done wrong is that we have some strengths as a church. Some of our strengths is that we're, uh, worship is, is, is good, mostly because I don't sing. Um, we, uh, we're a good, like, young culture church, like, not young, but, like, um, we're like a, a, we, there's energy in that we have families and people and there's a, a, a strong connection. People that visit here often say, I think this church actually likes each other. <laughs> I swear it, I hear it all the time. Um, some of the things is that we, uh, we're, we're spirit-filled. People say when you come here, you can, you can sense the spirit of God here. I love that. I love that this isn't about religion, that this is about us trying our best to connect with our creator and be together. But some of the things we've done wrong is that we've not been intentional about growth. And here's what I mean by that. I got busy as your pastor. I worked multiple jobs and I probably did it for too long. I'm not sure. Just a couple months ago, we've been planning this transition for about seven, eight months. But um, I quit my other job by faith and we decided we're going to go all in with this thing. We have not been intentional about growth. My wife has this saying that she says all the time, and it often bothers me because it's convicting. Anyone else ever, mar- ever been married? <laughs> and she says, whatever is not growing is dying. And I don't like it because I don't think it's true. <laughs> but it's true. And so things that are alive should be growing. They should be developing. They should be living. They should be moving. And our church has had a ceiling on it for too long, and I don't believe that that's God's desire. But one of the things that's good about our church is that we're small, and we like it that way. Our elders um, and and us, we got together a couple months ago, and we decided that we were going to pray about what's more important, a bigger building or a staff. And uh, we felt like we needed to focus on leadership as a whole in our church. So we're doing that. We're developing our staff, and we're developing our leaders in our church, and we're going to be developing on you. You're going to be hearing a lot more conversations about people that are involved in your giftings. But the problem is when you don't care about growth, you're not actually, we're, 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 sometimes we're just here for each other, and we forget the mission of the church is to reach the lost. It's to worship and connect with God, we got that down, and to be about his kids. And so when I think about our church, one of the problems that I think we have that we have to make a culture shift is here is two services is not about just getting more bodies here, but it's about reaching the lost. And it's got to be all of us. Like, I know that there are some people here that have been here for years, and I'm thankful for you. I love you. You're my friends and you're my family. But I think we, me myself included, are doing it wrong in that if everything we don't do is not to touch his heart we're doing it wrong and so what i've learned is just even in the back room here earlier today i was praying with patty and howard and and i, I had this vision of our church and there are some people here you're not going to like the direction we're going in next this may not be the season for you to be with us anymore and i'm not saying that to be mean I'm saying that because we want to grow. And this is what growth looks like in anything that's alive. You actually have to do painful things to it to help it to grow the right way. Isn't that right, Will Doyle? He puts people through hell every day. He's a mean person. But he's making better people. Look at any gardener. He's going to groom that, that, all of those things, those trees, in a direction, in a way that it grows right and healthy in one direction. And some of us don't like discomfort, which is why we gripe about change. I didn't like change. I don't like change. But we're going to change. We're going to go to two services, and it's going to cost a lot more effort on our part. But we want to focus on the Holy Spirit moving in our church and reaching the lost. And I need you. I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. I can do it without you. I don't want to do it without you. I don't want you to just give more. Although we need resources. And that's what happens in a lot of churches when they say we're going to do new things. Everyone get out your your pocketbooks. We're going to take up an offering. 
How was the offering? Let's take up another one. Uh, and so that's not it. Listen, when, since, since I quit that other job, I don't know what happened. This always happens whenever we enter into a faith season in our church. Money comes in from everywhere. In the last two months, we've had more money coming in from everywhere. And I didn't even take a raise. So we're actually going backwards financially, but God has been providing for me and my wife outside of our church community, which is absolutely crazy. We've had two miraculous months that's been rad, and it's because we're walking in faith. It's going to require you guys to do some things in faith. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to make some differences. One, if you're here today and um, you have a problem with someone on staff, you don't know why, but someone's rubbing you the wrong way, I need you to do one of two things. Approach that person or leave. I'm sorry. Approach that person or leave. But we can't grow with that mindset. We either like each other or we don't. Be about not liking me somewhere else. A lot of people don't like me. Join the club. All right. I don't know, but I think I said most of everything. We have to have two services in August is going to require a culture shift. It means that all of us have to actually care about people that are coming in the door. So Pam, that just is visiting in our church. Pam, will you wave at everyone? She's been here over the last month and a half. I need you guys to care about Pam and go meet her. Shake her hand, give her a big kiss. It's kind of awkward, right? But y'all need to be about other folks here. We all need to. Or we'll be the same. And when Christ returns, we'll have done nothing. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to tell you a story that I think is pretty emotional, and we're going to go into worship. Here's what's going on. If you would all get out your cell phones, everyone, including Rachel. <laughs> Doing two services means we're going to need you. Why? Because we need to build the, the people to do God's work, and I think that there's a call of God on your life to help us do what we need to do in the next season. I think that there's a call of God on your life to help us do what we need to do in the next season. So we've been working on our leadership, and we've been working on some teams, and we're doing the same thing that we've been doing. We're just doing it with a lot more strategy because someone else is leading it. It ain't me, which is fantastic. Lacey's in charge of it. She's way better just about everything than I am, so I'm excited about that. If you have your cell phone, would you text the church? If you're in and you're all in, I don't care if you've been here a week or two weeks or 10 months or 10 years, and you're willing to help. I want you to text 777-3520 and text I'm all in. And we'll reach out to you. And we're going to let you know in two weeks what that looks like. I'm all in. 777-3520. I'm all in. I want to tell you a quick story. So we're at Disney two weeks ago. It's 10 days ago. I asked Micah yesterday. Micah, what was your favorite part about Disney, uh, of, of the summer so far? And he said, well, we went to Disney and we met that little boy, Antonio. Ten days, my son remembered this kid that he met for a total of a minute and a half. Because it, it got us. You know, actually, when we, when we were at Disney, um, we met this kid, Antonio. Uh, when we handed him off to the staff, and they, the lady was talking to me with a radio in her hand, so I knew they had, they had a system in place. It bothered me so much, my day was shot. We had planned some cool things with my son and family and kids, and uh, I, I, we were so excited and selfies and good times and we had this dinner planned it was real special we went looking for the mom we, about 10 15 20 minutes uh, we looked in a few stores looking for her and we couldn't find her and uh and it just kind of ruined ruined the day i'm not gonna lie it sucked and uh, i said you know what i just want to leave let's go and so we uh we decided to leave disney 20 minutes looking for this mom we didn't find her maybe the staff will find her and you just kind of have to hope that someone else has a better plan they know what they're going to do. But I just kind of felt like it'd be so cool if God would bring this lady into our path, you know? So Teresa stopped and prayed. And, uh, and I was mad. And I just kind of felt like, well, let's go eat. Food will take care of it, you know? Food will solve it. <laughs> and so uh, we head out towards the entrance there at um, Hollywood Studios. And, 
uh, we're going down the front entrance there, and as we're walking, we're talking about what we're going to eat, and the kids are broke the news to them where we're going, and they're all fired up, and everyone's, you know, the kids eat this much, you know, so I don't know why they get excited about food, but I'm excited that they're excited, because I, I get to eat, so, um, and so as we're, t- we're talking, and we're laughing, and we're telling jokes, uh, we look over, and, and we see this, this woman crying, and uh, it's an instant different kind of cry. You can tell she didn't fall down and scrape her knee, and she didn't twist her ankle, and her back wouldn't hurt, and she was crying. And uh, I looked over at my wife, and before I can, I can realize anything, you don't know my wife's heart, she was gone. Um, and so she beelined it to this lady, and we all ran over there, and <laughs> my kids get right up under the situation. And my wife uh, said, it's okay, it's okay, she's yelling at her. And she throws her arms around this woman and uh, just hugs her. She says, we found him, he's safe, he's safe. And the lady kind of pulls back, looks at her. And does another hug. And uh, the relief that came over her. It had been about 20 minutes since we had found Antonio. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just 10. But 10 minutes of absolute horror to the point where she had to walk completely across the park to find this little kid. And um, she said, you know, Kathy, Kathy, um, we found Antonio. We found your son. And relief and she, uh, there was two kids with her and her husband and the staff members immediately ran over to us and they were all thanking us. The whole thing happened in about a minute and a half. She hugged Teresa. Teresa said, he's at Beauty and the Beast. He's with the staff. He's at Beauty and the Beast. He's with the staff. And uh, the father came over and he grabbed my arm, lifted it up and shook it. He said, thank you. They left, and um, they took the kids with them. And what's really funny was they weren't even paying attention to the other two kids. And it reminded me, it reminded me of, the, of, the, of the gospel where Jesus said, I would leave the 99 to go find the one. <laughs> but what sucked is I was so angry. I asked Teresa. I, I, a few times I cussed. I was mad. Honestly, I, I cussed. a lot. <laughs> I was mad because when I left Beauty and the Beast, I was confident that one of those radio channels would work. And they would put us, they would put him in touch with another staff member that would say, there's a kid found in this area. Just That's just common sense. There's got to be 25 channels on that daggone radio. One of them's got to communicate a lost kid. And I'm talking, if it wasn't 20 minutes, it was at least 10. But that kid was standing there in horror. And that woman was in horror. And what I found out in that whole, what I'm telling you is that the system was broke. And sometimes we can be doing everything right, people coming in and people going and doing everything, and the system's broke. So the main goal of everything should be if there's a lost kid, everything's got to stop. There's one priority, every staff member, be on the lookout. And I found the kid and I found the mom and the staff wasn't part of it. I don't think it had anything to do with me, but I think it had to do a lot with our church. Thank you for your worship. But what I know is Jesus said, pray for the harvest. He's about building his church. He's about those that are broken and lost. Rachel, would you come? Work is difficult and it's hard. And I know it. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I know that many of you work 40, 50, 60, and 70 hours. And then you come home to work. But I need you to work for something that's more important than having fresh sheets on your bed or a clean drawer at your house or a, a clean car. We're building something that's eternal. And it's going to be difficult and it's going to be inconvenient. I'm going to close with this. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? lady's name was Kathy, the boy's name was Antonio, and I believe I met them to tell you that I think that part of our process is broke. I think the Lord wants to build his church. I need you to build it, not me. I need you. There's two people here I'm talking to you real quick. One, someone here that says, you know, my life ain't in order. There's some things that's wrong. I realize I may be in sin, I'm not sure, 
but I got some things that ain't right. I'm not ready to do what God's calling me to do. I'm not ready for Jesus to return. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, can I just say a quick prayer for you? Will you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? I ain't right with God. God bless you. Holy Spirit's touching you right now, and you can either listen or not. This is between you and God. But I don't think anything more important than this right here. Father, Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you are for me and not against me. I thank you that you care. You are my creator and my best friend, and I'm asking by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would cleanse me. You would cleanse my mind. You would cleanse my heart. You would change me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash me in your blood. I can't change on my own. I need you, Lord. I can't change on my own. I need you, Lord. I can't change on my own. I need you, Lord. There's another group of people here that you are dying to be used by God. We want to see your gifts used. We want to do great things for the Lord. If that's you, you just stand to your feet right now. I want to do great things for God. Don't stand if you don't mean it. It's all good. I ain't trying to embarrass anyone. Here am I, send me. Who will go for me and who shall I send? God, I want to know you. 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 I want to see you. I want to smell you. I want to touch you. I want to taste you. I want to know who you are, God. I want to know your voice. You're the God of the galaxies. Why would I not want to know you? I don't want to be more curious about what's on Facebook. I want to be curious about who you are. Put a passion in my heart to care about people more than me. Put a boldness in my heart to care about people more than me. Put a confidence in my heart to care about people more than me that I would do whatever it takes to go find someone else's kids. Your kids. We're going to worship. I'm going to ask Rachel to play a couple songs. If you need prayer for something in your life, your finances, in your body, in your mind, or in your heart, I'm going to be on this side of the room right here. If you want to come down and worship because here I am, send me, you can come down here and just worship. There's something cool about being in the altars. We're going to pray with folks over here. The next 10, 15 minutes, we're just going to worship. We'll end with a corporate close of prayer. I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you. You have a calling on your life. He wants to do something through you. That's what you're destined to do. And it starts right here with surrender. Rachel.